Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Peter, how are you? I'm great, Eric. How about yourself? I am. I'm excited. I kind of geek out on some of the things that you talk about. It's it's a lot of fun. And today you've got a guest on the show. And this is something I don't I don't know if you've really ever covered on the, the podcast before. But today's guest is commercial real estate investor Michael Price, principal at Legacy Real Estate Ventures, LLC. And from what I understand, Peter, you've known him for a very long time. I have. And I've, I, I've known his, his mother even longer than I've known Michael. So oh. uh, my elementary school uh, music teacher was Mrs. Price. Really? Uh, yeah. You know, just a, a, just a coincidence. And when I went to college, I think even before college, we've, we've realized that, that Michael and I were going to go, go to the same college. So we, we met there. We actually um, played football together for, for a bunch of years. And it was just a great thrill to see, you know, see Mrs. Price at, at uh, Parents Day. Oh, yeah. And certainly get to know Michael as a, as a, as a friend. It, it's just been, I got very, very lucky in many ways. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I, I am super excited about today's topic, real estate investing, and I'm I'm here to learn just like the audience is. Yeah, I'm excited as well. And just a just a little background in in, in talking about when I talk about real estate, you know, as everyone knows, real estate in general is just a huge part of the of the economy, not just in the U.S. but around the globe. And from my perspective, it's it's really an important part of a, a family's financial plan. I think of real estate as as one of those asset classes that that we have we can invest in. And just again, just the background: asset classes are groupings of investments that have similar characteristics. You know, they kind of do similar things for for um, investors. And just so examples of that would be cash and cash equivalents, you know, which are savings accounts and checking accounts and money market funds, things that are really liquid. And then you got bonds, fixed income. That's an asset class. And there's lots of different kinds of bonds, but they've got certain things in common, which is they pay interest and then they pay the principal back at, at, when, when the bond matures. And then then there are real assets tangible things like like buildings or barrels of oil. Uh, and, and the most common real assets are, are, are property, office buildings and apartments and industrial complexes. And, and another real asset are commodities like like raw materials, you know, oil and wheat and gold and oranges, you know, th things like that. And, and so so those are, are some of the asset classes. And then we certainly have stocks, an important asset class. But but real estate is just a, a, a a vital part of that whole picture of, of asset classes that, that one can invest in. And yeah, yeah we, we've done podcasts about those other more accessible and liquid asset classes like, like cash bonds and stocks, but we really haven't done a deep dive into um, real estate and as, as an investment. And I thought today Michael could address that because he's that's his, that's his business, that's his expertise. 
And, you know, we won't discuss it as a, as a personal asset, like, like your home or vacation home, although that's, that's also an important investment. So we'll just be talking about it as, as, a, as, an, as a, a real investment, like you would think about other kinds of, of options for you. So, Michael, just a, a, a welcome to our podcast, Wealth is in the Details. And, um, you know, I just remember in college, you talked about real estate. And, and then as a, as a young person after college, you, you started buying real estate. And, and I just remember, I was so impressed and amazed that you had this, this chutzpah and this vision to do, to do that, to start buying in an economy. And back then, when we graduated college, economy was really tough. So I thought it would be really good to if you told us about your journey and, and the path you've taken and you know what you're doing. Peter, thanks so much for hosting. And I'm really honored to be able to speak to you today. Our lives have certainly been intertwined since the uh, late 1970s, and it's been a, just a great and important relationship. So my uh, real estate career actually began while we were in college, and I was working in the back bay renovating apartments for uh, one of my high school friend's fathers. And uh, he urged me to go out and get my license and get interested in the business. And uh, so it all started scraping wallpaper and painting and hauling bricks and and debris from a a back bay brownstone. Uh, When I got out of school and was going through the interview process, the standard lender interviews and financial oriented or retail oriented opportunities just weren't of interest to me. So I did a lot of exploration on the real estate side. And I started my career in property management. I was advised that that's a great place to start and build from the ground up. And I was taking care of buildings, collecting rents, hiring contractors for about a five-year period with a company called the Codman Company. And then I went on and worked with a company called National Development. And National Development uh, was building up a development company and needed property management expertise. And I wanted to learn the development side. So I uh, was with that group for about 10 years and built up a, a group uh, with them, a, a property management services company, and also learned the development business. But I had a fire in my belly. I really wanted to uh, do my own thing and work with my own company. And I, I uh, started a company called Eastport Real Estate Services. And Eastport uh, was started out again as a property management fee business. And within a year or so, we built up enough ongoing uh, recurring revenue to cover our costs and then go out and start to buy properties. And that partnership is uh, still in place. It's a 27-year-old company, but about uh, in in 2008, I decided that I really wanted to get away from the day-to-day management. I didn't want to run that company, and I wanted to just focus on investments. And at that point in 2008, right before uh, the markets crashed, I ventured out once again on my own to begin a new journey with legacy real estate ventures. And we are out buying typically office buildings, some medical buildings, flex and warehouse and some retail buildings as well. And so we're out in the market. Uh, we've done about 25 acquisitions since 2008. And it's it's been a great, great ride. You know, I just I just love the entrepreneurial spirit and and, and, and vision that you, you had from 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 the get go. 
And again, I, I just admire that that chutzpah because it, it, not everyone has it. Not only the uh, the fortitude, but the courage. And again, that just vision to see things that that others are not seeing. So, for example, I was not. I was not thinking that way at all. <laughs> I was in college. I had other things on my mind. I just think it's it's awesome that you did it. Well, so. thank you. Thank you. When when I started to work for the Codman company, I immediately was digging in and looking at condos and three families and started to do a little buying on my own. And it was really, it just, just all clicked for me. It's been yeah. a terrific career choice and career path. Yeah, well, good. Congratulations. I'm excited for you. And uh, it's been great to great to witness it. So so just tell us why real estate is, is your investment of choice. Peter, you used the word tangible before, and I think that is the best description of why I like real estate. You can hold it, touch it, feel it, work on it. You can live in it. It's there. If if there's a, f- a financial crash and your stock certificates devalue, you know you can also have problems in real estate. You can have vacancies, but at the end of the day, if there's a problem, you still have the property. You could take a step back and figure out a new creative approach with it. It it offers so much ab- ability to be creative and do things differently, and just long term financial securities. Yeah, that that it does, and and it 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 doesn't tend to be quite as volatile as uh, at least the it, the perception is. It's not quite as volatile as as stocks, for example. Now you're still owning something, but but stocks can can change values very very quickly, and real estate does change value both up and down, but but it seems to be a lot slower uh, from that perspective. Well, there are benefits on many sides. First of all, if you manage it and rent it out and things are going well, you experience cash flow. And so you've got some income generated from real estate. You're also paying down your mortgage. You're amortizing your mortgage. So you're building up uh, wealth there in terms of paying off your loan. And if things go well, the property will appreciate. So that's three ways that you can increase your value. And and also um, the the, uh, the federal government and, and state governments offer certain tax benefits for real estate investors. Right, there's depreciation benefits as well as other tax incentives. Historic properties come with tax incentives. There are, are opportunity zones where you can buy properties and have uh, some great government incentives. Yeah. Another great feature about real estate, I think, is is the ability to 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 add value to the to the property. Um, Just with your own, you know, if you're the owner, adding value by offering certain features to 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 those that are 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 your tenants. There's many ways you can do that, and I've done a little bit of actual development from the ground up, where you go through a permit process and build out a building and rent it out. And that's the, ultimately the greatest uh, level of value add, but it's very, very difficult. There's a lot of hurdles and, and challenges. Uh, what we like to do is buy existing buildings, existing product, take a very conservative approach. And uh, we buy buildings that have income stream in place, and then we enhance the value. And my background, as I mentioned, is property management. So what I like to do is take a step back, take a look at the building and what it needs and how you make it more contemporary, how you service the tenants 
and create, again, what I call incremental value through property management. It's not as risky. Uh, we renovate lobbies. We don't tear them down and rebuild them. We uh, renovate tenant spaces, do things with landscaping, uh, but not a lot of structural, not a lot of expansion. We work within the existing framework. Again, a more conservative approach, but a great way to add value to the property. It seems like it's it's the uh, the, the get rich slow approach in the sense that you're able to, by adding value, I would think you can increase rents. I would think at some point when you decide to sell the property, you could you'll sell it for more because the rents are higher. Right. Ultimately, the value proposition and the increase in value comes from raising your rents and then uh, working off of a cap rate or return investment of investment. And that's that's how you, how you really make money in this long term. Uh-huh. Could you could you talk a little bit about kind of one of the the skills that you, I would think you've developed over the years is just is the knowledge of the markets and knowing value and knowing when real estate values are 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 of good value. You know, I think about real estate like like other markets being as being cyclical. Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, they certainly are cyclical, Peter. And right now we're in a, a little bit of a challenging market. But what I do is I'll take a look at a building that that I'm interested in or that a broker might offer. And I, the first thing I do will be to look at the numbers and try to understand what the income and expenses are and what the ending or resultant uh, net operating income is and figure out what my sense for value is based on those numbers. Then I take a look at what we will do differently. How can we save money at the property? What are the rents? Are they below market? Are they above market? If they can be increased, then then you're going to hopefully add value. If the rents are too high and they're above market, then when the rents leases renew, you're, you're going to lose uh, lose value in that acquisition. But we look at the numbers really closely. We look at comparable leases. What are other people out in the market paying? We look at recent sales in the market. What are other people buying? What are you, what do your does your competition own their buildings for? And can you compete based on their basis? And if we like that part of it, then we'll go out and actually look at the building, uh, walk through it, get to understand it a little better, understand any limitations. So that, that those are the things we do look at first. Yeah, I, I think you know the advantage that you that you've developed over over the years. I I, I would think is is that knowledge that that ability to um to see value when it's there, and and if it's if if it's not there, you're going to walk away. And uh, as a professional investor, I I imagine you've got a great leg up on on those 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 buyers or sellers that may not be may not have the experience may not have the uh, the deep expertise you know you're a professional and and I think when you're when you're a professional in your business there's an advantage you you've got you got a leg up well I could tell pretty quickly what a property should be worth and and where the market is one of the th- things I do in addition to running this company is I 
actually teach at Boston University in the Metropolitan College in a real estate certificate program. And the course I teach is called market analysis, which is in essence, how do you make these decisions? How do you choose where you're going to buy and what you're going to build or develop? And uh, it's really a, a good fit for me in terms of teaching a course because it, it really is all of what I base my acquisition strategy on. So that's that a, a great lead into my next question is, um, and I, you know, we may not have time to to go through all the details, but just in general, you know, what are what are some of the big decision points for you, you know, when you decide to buy or sell a property? We talked a little bit about rents, ability to add value, but but what are some of the other other things you're looking at, and how do you go about that? Well, that's a great question, Peter, and it's and it's really the foundation of being successful is is to first and foremost figure out where you want to do your business and what kind of market you want to be in. How does it fit into your portfolio? How does it fit into your ability to service a building? And, and do you have a track record in that market? The numbers are really important and uh, we want to make sure those first and foremost work. And then we go in and look at the building very carefully. We look at capital needs. We look at, we, I have a, a bit, Based on my experience in the property management world, I call it a sickness, but I go through these buildings and I notice things. Uh, I notice uh, stains in the ceiling and I notice foundations that are cracking and boilers and equipment that looks like it might be worn. Uh, we look really closely at capital capital needs, at uh, mechanical equipment uh, replacements and, and remaining life and determine what types of additional monies or hidden monies uh, might be required. So that all goes into the formula. And then we go and we talk to our lenders and we find out if they're interested in the deal, if they like the way the deal's structured. And we also have a group of investors who get involved in the process. And we ultimately want to make sure that uh, there's enough of a return to interest the investors and that there's some good solid long-term appreciation and that it's a it's a project that we would be proud to own and fits into uh, what we do. And you go through all of this process and you do your evaluations, but also that feeling really comes into play. And you have to be emotionally attached to these things because they take so much energy and effort to close but you don't want to be overly uh, emotional about it. Uh, you really need to be able to back off if if the property is not the right property. But at the end of the day, you know, when I say gut, gut is also experience, it's expertise, and it's it's uh, track record. Hi, this is Catherine Broy from the Raskin Planning Group. Apologies for the interruption. Thanks so much for listening to Wealth is in the Details. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, please visit our website at www.raskinplanning.com. Look for the podcast's show notes and connect with us via social media. Get a great lead into to my next question is, uh, have you made any mistakes? And uh, would would you be willing to give an example of, of a purchase or a sale that, that, that didn't go as well as planned? Sure. Un unfortunately, there are a few bad memories, and uh, <laughs> uh, we've actually bought probably two hundred million dollars of of real estate value. Uh, I'm going to say forty five or fifty projects, and so you're bound to have a few tough ones. And and uh, 
one in particular that comes to mind and we just simply bought it for the wrong reason it was a smaller building and it was it was a bank building a former bank building and it had all kinds of capital needs it was very very cool looking structure very old brick it had a bank vault in it that we were going to get creative and do something with it but it just never there, there were a couple of reasons why it failed one we bought it for the wrong reason we bought it because we had some staffing availability and i wanted to give that particular individual a, a project to work on and that's not a reason to buy a good investment so we also over, overlooked uh, some of the capital needs of the building and the market simply wasn't strong it, there wasn't enough what i call velocity in the market enough leasing activity and you actually like competition and build off your other competitors and and that wasn't there as well so that property unfortunately we did sell it but we gave up most of our equity in the sale we were happy to get out of that i'm going to call it a leaking ship one other deal that we did in a marketplace where there simply wasn't a lot of office product and we thought we would be the pioneers and bring office to that area well the building was full and uh, what happened was uh, when the economy turned in 2007 uh, that building was the first one to empty out we simply couldn't recover and ended up selling that one at a loss as well. Yeah, we we learn we learn by our mistakes, and you you wouldn't be an entrepreneur or business owner if 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 you didn't make mistakes once in a while. You you have good intentions, like 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 everyone, um, but these things happen. But I I just am curious because you've been doing this a long time. You you must you must you must be careful with your leverage borrowing because. It, if you were borrowing so much, then that could cause additional difficulties, I assume. Is that, is that, is that fair? Well, it's interesting because in this uh, second scenario I, I gave you, the lenders were really understanding and they recognized the problems and they worked with us. They suspended amortization of the loan. So the loan became interest only for a time period. They did get paid in full, but the... On the lending side, we're very careful not to over leverage. And we do have an equity piece that comes in, but the banks also have been regulating that. And they're, they've been very careful about being clear that if you're at a 65% loan to value, that's about where their comfort level is. Anything over higher loan, there'll be personal guarantees involved. Uh, so we're we are governed somewhat by uh, what's happening in the lending world. Yeah, well, it, it, it you must be uh, have good relationships with your lenders because you know they must trust you. Know you're know you're looking out for their best interests as well. You know you've had all this all this experience and 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 you've been good at what you do. So I'm sure that's helped you from a leverage perspective. The lenders are part of the team, Peter, and uh, we really rely on them. Uh, the the lenders we end up with are ones who, uh, when they make a proposal, they typically stick with it uh, mm -hmm. and uh, they support us. And we like to communicate with them from the start and, and keep them involved. And uh, we're really fortunate to have found some great partners on the lending side. Oh, good. So just could you talk a little bit about how the real estate market is 
is different. You know, I, I you know, I, I, I've asked, asked the question, is all real estate the same? And are you, do you focus your attention on certain kinds of real estate more than others? I mean, you're, you're just not looking, you're just not, you're not going to buy any kind of real estate, uh, I assume. Well, Peter, real, the real estate market on the commercial side, it's like a buffet. There's a lot of different choices, a lot of sectors you can choose to get involved in. You can be in the multifamily or residential side, which is always strong because people need a place to live. You can be on the retail side, and I've always been intrigued by that because the retail real estate is a lot based on people's buying interests as more so than the, the real estate itself. Who, who are your retailers and who's going to be strong and what are the trends? You can be involved in the industrial side, which is a very hot sector right now and seems to be withstanding uh, this economic downturn. Uh, we chose the multi-tenant office sector or area of business. And basically, we chose class B buildings, a smaller footprint of building, a small cap range of building in the, anywhere from three to $15 million in range. We like the fact that uh, we have multi-tenant buildings because if some tenants leave, others grow into the spaces, uh, your, your risks are hedged. Uh, and then we expanded that into the medical side and we started to buy a medical office building. Once you do a lease with a doctor, they typically stay long-term. They have a pretty significant construction and startup costs. So they're not going to not going to leave the space on a short-term basis. And so we then went into the flex area and warehouse area and and started to buy some of those projects as well. We have a few retail deals, but there's really a great variety of of ways you can get involved in the real estate business. Do you do you see um you know in today's real estate market, do you do you see any 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 types of real estate to to avoid where we are right now, could you, could you talk about those risks and challenges and, and opportunities? Sure. Right now, the real estate market is somewhat frozen. It's very difficult to find projects to purchase that will ca- meet our investors' cash flow requirements because interest rates are so high. And until people start dropping their prices on sales side, we're not going to be doing much buying. The lenders are also being very, very careful. And a lot of that is due to the fact that on the office side, which we're mainly focused on, we all know about the work from home tendency. And uh, we would love to see people coming back to work. And we love the fact that the hybrid model is being encouraged. Now, so that's tough news, really, because People are consolidating on their office spaces. The place I would say not to be is downtown Boston, uh, large office footprints, class A and B buildings, because until big business encourages employees to come back, the office space is being underutilized. Vacancy rates in Boston, especially on the class B uh, side, are very high right now. Uh, I just for- think... Yeah, I just think about my office on in downtown Boston, my office building, and you know, I, I, I I'm guessing it's on any given day there's no more than you know thirty percent of its of its occupancy here. It it just seems empty. Well, that's true, and and that's that's a big a big problem, especially when owners' interest rates, loans may be due, uh, variable rate mortgages may push their costs up. 
when they're renegotiating with tenants, tenants are taking less space or, or altogether vacating. So where the crisis is coming, and which means opportunity, is I believe the Class B marketplace in downtown Boston. And I've already heard about uh, what I'll call a real horror shows of buildings being valued at selling for 150 and even less than $100 a foot. I expect to see a lot of that. So hmm. what do you do with a building like that? What do you do with that opportunity? Well, a lot of people talking about converting to residential or converting to lab. I happen to think there's many, many challenges, especially economically associated with the conversions. So it's not going to be as easy as as people talk about. But I think that's where there'll be opportunity and there'll be plenty of availability and a lot of uh, a lot of bloodshed in that sector of the marketplace. And do, do, do you see your your firm venturing into downtown Boston, or do you think you'll stay out in out in the suburbs and those those kind of properties. We've done a couple of deals in Boston and done very well with them. We're not involved in Boston right now. Our product in the suburbs has been doing really well, thankfully, because of the smaller footprint, smaller tenant requirements. And, and that sector has been very strong. So my tendency would be to stick with what's worked and continue to be conservative. That being said, if I can find an opportunity, uh, maybe a, a one or two gem type buildings in, in downtown Boston, I would explore those possibilities. Michael, do, do you, I assume you're investing your own capital in, in your properties, and it sounds like you've got other investors that join you. How, how does that actually work? Why are investors coming to you? Um, how do they enter your your investment? You know, are these the same people time and time again? So give give a little description of of really your your business and and how you raise capital. So Peter, we have set up separate single purpose LLCs to purchase each of our pieces of real estate. And going back to our first acquisition, uh, where we raised $320,000, I'm going to say twenty dollars or $25,000 at a time, basically through family and friends. And what it's evolved to is a group of 40 to 50 investors who are very uh, satisfied with our track record and, and confident in our expertise and Typically, we'll set up an LLC in which 50% of the ownership of the property or the LLC belongs to the investors. The investors are provided and typically an 8% preferred return and then 50% of the cash flow above that. So that's our hurdle rate, that 8%. If, it's, if a property is too much less than that, our investors are going to just put their money in CDs at five and a half percent and stay safe and stay liquid. Uh, so we're trying to find deals at that level. The investors get the preferred return, then they get fifty percent of the cash flow. We get the other fifty percent. That's our incentive. And then on a sale or refinance, fifty percent of the proceeds go to the investors as well. And we've got a loyal group of people who've been with us a long time. The investor equity piece is uh, not something we're seeking be more of because we've got these loyal followers. Uh, our challenge today is finding 
the investments, finding great real estate for us to to buy. Yeah, yeah, it's with it, you're you're a very patient and 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 prudent investor, and therefore you just got to keep on shopping for the right properties. Exactly. Some years we might buy two or three pieces of real estate, and some years we we won't make a purchase. Sure. I, I, I just want to make it clear to our listeners that that neither Legacy Real Estate Ventures or Michael, you know, we, we have no business w- relationship with the Raskin Planning Group or Lincoln Financial Advisors, my, my broker dealer. And, and just to make it clear, I can't recommend that clients or listeners invest in a property that Michael invests in. And, and I'm hoping that that this podcast is really just educational to give people a sense of, of what what a real estate investor does, uh, how they raise capital, what the risks are, what the opportunities are. And it's really educational. So I just want to make that, that, a cl- that clear statement because I think it's, it's important to do. Michael, your goal is to, is to build long-term value that can be passed down to, to future generations. I, I saw that on your, on your website, which is, a, I think, a, a, a wonderful uh, uh, line. And now your daughter, Jen Price, has joined your business. So your vision is coming true. And I'm sure that's very exciting for your family. In an ideal world, how do you see this this transition playing out over the next bunch of years? Well, Peter, Jen joined me about three and a half years ago with 10 years of experience in the business. And she is just wonderful to have around. I love her enthusiasm and energy and she's got tremendous contacts in the business and has been digging up real estate possibilities for us and is is learning learning the business and learning the acquisition side and my goal is to transition out over the next two to three years and play an advisory role and let her continue to buy and manage the the portfolio that must be a, a thrill for, for for your family, just to, to to pass on that that business and 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 be able to observe it as well. It's it's terrific to have Jen uh, with me. Uh, we do get into debates over uh, technology. Other family members don't appreciate the real estate conversation at the Thanksgiving table, <laughs> uh, but uh, those are those are minor challenges. But it's a it's a great plan overall, and uh, and it's really a wonderful feeling to be able to see your daughter take things on and and follow in in your footsteps. Kudos to you and 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 your and your daughter for being able to work together like that because it doesn't happen. It's not always easy. Families is not always easy. But I'm excited for you, and I'm crossing my fingers that it's going to work out great. So Thank, thanks, Peter. I have a lot of pride in uh, what she's accomplished so far. Yeah, as you should. Michael, th- this has just been a, a, a wonderful conversation about real estate. And, and I, I'm so thankful that you were able, that you're giving us the time that you're sharing with us, uh, your experiences. And I, I think it was really helpful and interesting. Thank you so much for doing this. Peter, it's my pleasure. I, I do want to leave you with some closing comments, which I typically present to my class. And really it's eight thoughts on what it takes to succeed. And I think that all of these components are are, are very important. And I would attribute a, a lot of my success to, to following these guidelines. And the first is to know your market, uh, then to build long-term relationships, integrity, do what you say you're going to do, 
Expect challenges, hard decisions, and changes to your plans. Make your luck. Luck doesn't just happen. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Don't take anything for granted. Follow your passion. And finally, having a sense of balance in your life is very important. I love it. Those those words of wisdom are, are good for, for anyone, business owners, real estate investors, you know, other entrepreneurs. It's, it's just a great, those are great, great words of wisdom. So thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you, Peter. Really enjoyed speaking with you today. Oh, it was great. Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. Michael, I, this is a, a lot of great information, but I know that you only scratched the surface on what you could have spoken about today. If the listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you if they want to further this conversation? Happy to continue the conversation via email, mprice at legacyrev.com. All right. I appreciate that. And of course, Peter, like you said, this is just for educational purposes. But if people are interested in talking to you about how this could maybe fit into their overall plan and, and want to just have that discussion with you first, why don't you give them your contact info as well? Yeah, I, I would recommend uh, listeners go to go to our website at, at raskinplanning.com. Uh, they can reach out get our contact information there. But uh, again, Michael, thank you so much for just a great, a, a, a great time. It's always, always great to, to spend time with you. And I always learn something. So thanks. My pleasure. All right. Well, we'll wrap this up with our last thank you going to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp., a broker-dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.